This is Tiger Hall. You're wanting to be an empathetic boss, but aren't sure how to tread the line between empathy and being too soft. If you're feeling like this, then know that this is a common concern, and it's what we're going to discuss today with Mimi Nicklin. Mimi is founder of the world's first organizational empathy platform, Empathy Everywhere. She works with brands such as Cisco, Pfizer, and LVMH to drive creative interventions that lead to business and culture change. She's the author of Softening the Edge, Empathy, How Humanity's Oldest Leadership Trait is Changing Our World. Here's our conversation. Mimi, how would you define empathy? Oh, such a good question. Empathy is fundamentally about perspective taking. So there are many definitions. There are cognitive forms of empathy and emotional forms of empathy and compassionate forms of empathy. But fundamentally for leadership and the organisational world, we are talking about perspective taking. The ability to stand in the shoes of somebody else and really see why they are performing, speaking, behaving in the way they are by looking at how they're able to see the world. Such a good definition. Okay, so what's the boundary then? How can you be empathetic without being too soft? That's the word we're going for. So it's a really powerful question, particularly in the South Asian region where I get asked this question all the time. The reality is empathy is a skill set. It is built into your prefrontal cortex. You were born with the ability to empathize because it is an evolutionary skill set. So there is actually, Pippa, nothing soft about empathy. It's hard to find hard to master and hard to maintain. If you look at empathy as a data set, which is what it is, it's a skill set that allows you to get more insight from the people around you, whether that's in discussion, debate, negotiation, communication. This is about finding human levels of data in the workplace and in the teams around you. So there is nothing soft or emotional about the act of empathizing because it is a skill set that allows you to get more information. Where people perhaps get a little confused with where emotion and skill meet in the middle is how you respond to that empathy. So if you use empathy to gather data, to gather understanding, you can then choose whether to behave in a kind or compassionate way. But those are emotions and they're very disconnected to that first skill set of empathy that led you there. So I know you work all around the world and you just mentioned Southeast Asia there. Can you give us any other examples around how this changes cross-culturally? So empathy does tend to be more prominent in very sort of pro-social, community-driven countries. So whilst there isn't any specific data that splits out geographies in terms of empathy levels that is being worked on currently, what we do find is much more natural levels of empathy in countries which are more community-driven. So it tends to be in the emerging markets where we tend to see far more open community structures, whereas when you look at more urbanised and, I guess, developed markets, cities like London, New York, Tokyo, Chicago, where we see very high levels of people living alone. So in some of those cities, we see up to 42% of people who live alone. You do see empathy drop off when people tend to sort of segregate themselves out of those social environments. The reason I mentioned specifically within Southeast Asia, but South Asia specifically, is because in those markets where we still see very traditional, quite hierarchical organisations, often family structures running many of those big businesses, the idea of engaging with and leaning into the workforce 
tends to be something that is seen quite fearfully because people assume they're going to lack power or stature in understanding other people. But as I mentioned earlier, the skill set of understanding actually strengthens your ability to negotiate, to engage, to drive performance up rather than the opposite. Mm. And do you have any examples of successful people or leaders who've really mastered this art without being seen as too soft? Yeah, absolutely. My favourite is Satya Nadella. And I swear if one day he ever Googles me, he'll wonder why this woman has been talking about him for the last (laughs) three years. But I do talk about him all the time because he is a phenomenal leader. He's the CEO of Microsoft. He is a great believer in empathy. In fact, he has a book called Hit Refresh, which I highly recommend. And in that book, he mentions empathy over 50 times. I didn't count Pippa, but somebody did. So he really talks about empathy in depth, both in his team structures, his sort of C-suite development, culture across the organization, but also in areas such as innovation, product development, strategy. And when you look at Microsoft, for example, on Glassdoor, they score higher than many organizations out there. And in recent years, Satya has returned $1 trillion to his stakeholders. So you know, needless to say, he's a very successful CEO. He's often voted in the top CEOs in America or globally. So he really is a very strong, successful businessman. And he believes deeply in the role of empathy. And in fact, I often quote him in my keynotes where he says, people often get confused and think empathy should be reserved for friends or family, but it is actually an existential business priority. So yeah, Satya is my benchmark, not only because he does such a great job of promoting the power of empathy in performance and in organizations, but also because he's a man. And I often get asked whether empathy is a feminine or female-led skill set. And the answer for all of your listeners is no. That's such a good point. Hey, sorry to so rudely interrupt my own conversation, but I just wanted to let you know that this is a Tiger Hall podcast. Tiger Hall is the world's leading social learning platform, and we have hundreds of interviews just like this with amazing senior business leaders from around the world. These can all be accessed via the Tiger Hall app, which is free to download. You get free content every month and new stuff is uploaded every workday. I hope to see you there. So what are some potential challenges or pitfalls individuals may face when they're attempting to balance empathy with assertiveness? Because it's a skill set. Empathy is something you have to master. You have to practice, right? You can choose to use it. Like any skill set or any communication methodology that you use at work, it takes time and effort. You can't fake empathy, right? People know immediately when you are pretending to listen. And fundamentally, empathy is based on listening. So the easiest way to become more empathetic in the workplace, to understand your people more, whether that's your bosses or your teams, is to listen, is to use your curiosity. So the opposite of that, to answer your question, the pitfalls is simply to stop listening. And most of us are listening very infrequently in the workplace. Most of us are listening to reply, to respond, rather than to understand. So the biggest pitfall really in driving gaps between you and your work, between you and your teams, is to not be listening to them. Because if you don't listen, how are you ever going to understand? And in a world where we talk about performance, of course, we've lots of recovery to do, but also DNI, inclusivity, driving more engaged, diverse teams. If you don't start with listening, how are you ever going to include anyone? Such a good point. I watch a lot of diversity debates on YouTube. And one thing that really strikes me is that it feels more about winning 
It's not about actually caring for the people. And I think a lot of that is fear-based. I was in a live LinkedIn audio session and they were talking about multiculturalism in Asia, in the workplace. And I, like you, I felt that it really was about structures, boxes, you know, approvals more than the actual people we're talking about and actually really putting understanding at the core of that discussion. Because fundamentally, to engage multiple cultures, you have to understand why they are behaving like they are, not just responding to the fact that they are behaving differently. So I agree with you. I think we're missing a trick, really, when it comes to actually engaging people in a very human way. Totally, totally. Okay, Mimi, can you give listeners some homework, some things that they can go away and do or think about after listening to this? As I mentioned earlier, listening is really the core to building up your empathy, to becoming a more understanding or connected leader. So I would say that there's three really simple tips. Doesn't mean they're easy, but they're simple to follow. (laughs) I would say the first is to really focus on eye contact. Again, because we live in a very technologically driven world, it's very easy to be constantly on a screen or looking away or perhaps, you know, having meetings on Teams and Zoom and that type of thing. Eye contact is a very evolutionary reality. When you connect people through the eyes, they do feel recognized, they do feel seen and heard, even if that's just for a few minutes. They come in your office, they want to ask you a question, make the effort to really look at them, you will notice a shift. So my first one would be around eye contact. The second one is around body language, which is very connected to that as well. We are very good as human beings at picking up subconscious gaps between us. So if you cross your arms, if you turn your shoulders, if you slouch Mm. away from people, subconsciously, they will notice and respond to that in a very physiological way, right? That connection between mind and body. So my second piece would be around really using your body language to show you're interested, nodding, leaning in, using your hands to show that you're following really important signs to show teams that you're actually listening to them. And then the third tip I would give is a really great small exercise. It's called confirm and correct. And what it sees you doing is when you are listening to people, let them finish and then repeat back to them those last 10, 11, 12 words that they say to ensure that you have heard them correctly. So I would say, Pippa, what I heard you saying was that you're really enjoying rolling out these podcasts for Tiger Horton. And that gives you the opportunity to say, yes, Mimi, that's exactly what I said. Thanks for listening. Or actually, Mimi, no, it was more about this. And it ensures that both you as the listener are listening, are empathizing. You have understood the information you were given. You haven't sort of made it up in your own mind, in your own world of busy leadership. But it also ensures that your audience feels that you're listening. So it's a two-way street and it's mutually beneficial. Yeah. So you haven't interpreted it in the way that you would like <laughs> that you would like to interpret it. Yeah, exactly that. Such good advice. As you say, simple, not necessarily easy, but I hope that's helpful for our listeners. I hope so. You've been listening to a Tiger Hall podcast. Quick favor. If you like this content, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new upload from us. And of course, if you're hungry for more, and why wouldn't you be, don't forget to download the Tiger Hall app for hundreds more just like this.